I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. This is Mind Rolling, the 200th episode. I'm Raghu Marcus, and I'm uh, quite happy and proud to uh, introduce this 200th episode of Mind Rolling. Uh, And right off the bat, the two people that I first called upon to celebrate this episode are completely obvious. David Silver, who has, uh, in the first half of its incarnation, uh, got me going with Mind Rolling, and the two of us created Mind Rolling, and David now is uh, comes on and, and does a, an episode with me, probably every, I don't know, four to six weeks, something like that. And the other person who's, of course, very obvious, whom I call the guru, my guru, my podcast guru, Duncan Trussell. And, of course, without Duncan, there wouldn't be any podcast, not only uh, mind-rolling. There wouldn't be the podcast that I do with Ramdas, the Here and Now podcast, which is what he first suggested I do and uh, showed me and taught me how to do it and set an example which, uh, to this day, I can't tell you how much I appreciate. So I got these two guys, and uh, we just we just let loose. We just let loose, and it turned out it was almost a complete uh, full circle. It was a fir- full circle to the first podcast David and I did with Duncan, in which he went off on some kind of conspiracy, uh, a bit of a rant. This was maybe not as intense as that, and uh, and uh, we we got it all connected up with what is it that we can do within ourselves to deal with the kind of uh, oppressive uh, shadow that he, uh, Duncan, exculpated here, which I won't get into. You'll catch it. And um, David, I have to say, who has uh, 
as you know, if you listen especially, of course, to the early podcast from he and I, which really, it they really detailed out what it was that happened to each of us on our paths. And uh, so if you have not, you should listen to those episodes because they're extraordinarily entertaining. And David uh, has met everyone from the Prime Minister of uh, England to uh, to Gaddafi, okay? He met Gaddafi on the phone once, okay? <laughs> if you can believe that. Not to mention Roger Waters and Mick Jagger and on and on and on. So he his, uh, he's so rich in his stories and his storytelling. And this particular, he told one story that I, I must mention because if you do nothing else, just l- listen to this story. There's a couple of them, of course, but one in particular is a story that uh, kind of takes place on Facebook in a thread, and it deals with... Um, a whole conversation with a somebody who supported Trump, and of course, David, as you've known through these podcasts, is not a big Trump supporter, and yet he had the most visceral, connective moment with this, uh, with this being, that cuts through all of the stuff that we talk about us and them and how to get through it, uh, whereas it it actually happened. So yeah, it's it's something to. Uh, to appreciate. Uh, and I think uh, we threw in a couple of songs in there just uh, because, uh, you know, as Dave and I talked, you know, that's something we did in the early days of uh, mind rolling. And uh, we also brought up our favorite Lama, Dilgo Kenzi Rinpoche, and we quoted from him getting down to how to get real in uh, <laughs> 30 easy days. So, all right, I'll just let this roll, and um, I hope you enjoy. And uh, I have enjoyed all these 200 episodes, which is just, again, so mind-blowing. And I, I really appreciate everybody who listens, everybody who supports which in whichever way they can so that we can continue to do not only mind-rolling, but everything else we do on Be Here Now Network. Dot com. Just go there. You can do all the support stuff that we always encourage you from donations, recurring, small recurring donations to uh, using the Amazon link to buy your purchases, to buy your whatever you desire on Amazon. And uh, And I hope you keep listening. So here we are with David Silver and Duncan Trussell. Mind rolling, 200. I, we, you promised me, Raga, this would be a rambling one, that we wouldn't fixate on anything, so we can talk about anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, I had an idea, which was to just off the top of your head and my head, come up with some of our favorite people and why that have been on the podcast. I know who mine are, I think. Um, That's a terrific idea, Dave. Well, you know, I, I remember our conversation with Joseph Goldstein, who I think you knew I did not. And I just found that if you if those of you who are listening can be bothered to go and look at the archives, you'll find it. And he's just a, a, an amazing Buddhist scholar and um, the most articulate person. And his books are just incredible. 
and uh, Miss uh, and uh, Rinpoche, Gaelic Rinpoche was amazing, and um, uh, the Dalai Lama's translator, uh, you know, was incredible. These are all Buddhists, of course, which is showing my predilection for that. Uh, and you know, give me a few of yours because you've done some really good ones since I left. Actually, I know. Well, certainly, uh, I'd be right with you with Joseph. Uh, yeah. There's a way in which he's able to translate uh, Buddhism, uh, Buddhist thought. But more than that, really, uh, how to get what what to me this podcast has always been about trying to get to a place where this these ancient teachings can be put into a context and into a a form that we all can understand you know it's just it, it, uh, I, did, I did a uh, podcast uh, actually David uh, just recently with uh, Rabbi uh, Rami Shapiro do you know Rami Shapiro? Uh, yeah I, I, I know of him I don't know him. yeah um, so he had, he had written a book uh, which basically brought together and showed how all the major spiritual religious traditions come to the same essence by virtue of the different uh, excerpts that he took from different holy books and so on. It's really a, a wonderful book. So he said something interesting in, in my conversation with me, and it was, it was about the... We were talking about uh, the um, Jewish mystical teachings, the Kabbalah, right? I've always had an interest in them, and but I really don't know that much. And I only became more interested recently because of Leonard Cohen. Uh, after Leonard left, uh, his one of his best friends was a rabbi in Los Angeles, and they had a certain... Um, they had a, a real receptivity to a one particular kind uh, sect of the Kabbalah that was really interesting. Uh, it's too complex to go into, but the point of it is the complexity of it. And he yeah. said, and he said, and I have studied this, you know, and uh, I will say to you that I feel this th this is made to be complex in order to make it as something worthy of studying, worthy of, of, of embracing, without that complexity, people would think askance of it. It's too, it would be too simple. Mm. Mm. And he's, he hit the thing on, the, on the, the nail on the head with the hammer with that with me. And, he talk, and we talked about Tibetan Buddhism as well. Uh, the gigantic complexity uh, is, uh, is a way in which, and, and Ramdas has said this uh, before about uh, Buddhism in general, uh, it's so crystalline, the way that the teachings are expressed and the reality is expressed is so diamond-like, pure, etc. It is so easy to get attached uh, through the mind and miss out on uh, a, a lot of other practical kinds of things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So, uh, I, I'm just going back to Joseph is able to translate that stuff in a way that is so visceral, I think. And, and, and it's not like his partners there, like Sharon Salzberg is also <laughs> fantastic, and so is Jack Kornfield. You know, they all came back with the Vipassana thing. Uh, so uh, I, I would have to, of course, these people now are, are, uh, have podcasts in which we take their teachings, and, and Sharon's been doing incredible extemporaneous podcasts 
uh, recently, by the way, everybody check it out. And it's, it's around her book, uh, Real Love. But uh, those those people certainly, because the you know for me the, the biggest thing is is our ability to share something useful through the podcast. Uh, but if if I go further back, the first podcast that we did, were, which were you know kind of innocent and cool, where we were really talking about our relationship to the our own involvement and uh, and exploring all of that, uh, those are really precious as well. Yeah, well, you know, I've been thinking recently about the the power of music in terms of transformation more than I have recently because I got. Of late, I, I recently got a new sound system, which is really a good one. First, really good one I've had for a long time. So I've been re-listening to things. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, not that much because I don't have time, but I, just listening to certain things that, that, you know, that I hadn't listened to with a good system and getting the whole impact, you know, from Eric Dolphy to um, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, everything, you know, a lot of stuff. And it is amazing how... Um, you know, you can be in a, a sort of a, a wishy-washy mood or in-between mood that's not bad or good. It's just sort of like hanging there mm. and, 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 and you're not feeling the radiance of life itself or the miraculous nature of the gift of life and all of that. And then you can put some music on and it. it, it I, I was going to say it doesn't matter what it is. It does matter what it is. Um, you know, I mean, not to put Bieber down. I'm not going to be using Bieber to transform myself, but other people do uh, younger kids that's fine but for me listening to um you know 60s british music and 60s american music i've never been a huge fan of the dead but recently i've been looking at youtube dead stuff from the 70s and early 80s and i mean it is impossible to listen to jerry garcia and weir and lesh and, and mickey and the rest of them without at least at their best without a transforming uh, experience. I thought you, you hated know, the dead. I never really liked them, but I, I've been so criticized by close friends for this who like said to me, what's wrong with you? Why do you still like Rod Stewart? You know, and I've got <laughs> to say that, you know, I'm listening to some of the dead that I had never listened to. I'm looking YouTube is such a ridiculous gift. Um, <laughs> you know, there are some songs when they do them and, and Jerry's solos, which you really don't want to end. Okay, that's uh, it, though. That's uh, that, I'm with you there, but that's yeah, well, it. That's, that's it for me. Yeah. But i got to say something, Raga. Uh, I went to see about 15 years ago a band called um, Bob and the, Bobby and the Midnighters, which was Bobby Weir mm. and Steve Jordan and Eddie Cochran's son. And mm. I have to put it in the top, at least the top 10 of any concert I've ever been to. It was nothing like The Dead. Uh, Weir was... Just, uh, I mean, he was perfect. All right, I, and I, I would he was. I'm just telling you. I, I, I'm, sorry. I'm completely biased, just like you. But I, you know, I, I felt something, and it was wow. different. So I've been, I've been watching. I'm trying to not be so narrow-minded, you know, and listen to the dead. You know, it doesn't run to certain other things that I'm never going to listen to. <laughs> but you know, and we know. By the way, okay, you're saying this, and I want to say something about music too, because I just was with Steve Earle. Everybody, uh, he was in, in Asheville, and I went, uh, and he, uh, he, he played one song. Everybody out there, you've got to get this song. And Steve Earle is, is one of the great alt-country guys that are around. He, between him and Lucinda Williams, that's it for me. Um, and I highly recommend both. 
And this song by Steve is called The Mountain. You have got to get that. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Steve Earle uh, is one of those artists who's not given the recognition except by people in the business. I mean, people like Chris Christopherson and, and many well, other wait great. A minute. He's really popular. What are you talking about? No. Well, I mean, he's not a stadium guy, but he's a concert How many holder. times have you seen Steve Earle on television? I see him all the time on television. He's on what all kind kinds of, of what on shows. He's on Trammy. He was on, uh, you know, that what? other the, what was the that? Wire. What is that? I've never heard of Trammy. The guys who did the Wire did this fantastic show on New Orleans. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved yeah. it. I mean, I, you know, the wire wasn't much to me, even though my daughter was one of the stars of it. I might say, uh, <laughs> you know, quickly to push her, she played um, Dominic's wife in the Wire. And um, I did watch it. Uh, I'm not as raving about it as some people are because I get bored with drug stuff. Having never taken drugs in my life or had anything to do with such a thing, uh, I can't. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about being sued or anything. About, you know, <laughs> um, no, you don't anymore, you know. But um, is uh, the fact of the matter is the music is transformative, and that's how we started. We were talking, yeah. you know, we, yeah. and you were talking about Coltrane, and it blew me away because I I think Coltrane was the first thing I ever saw alive, the first human being I ever saw alive, uh, the Dolphy Coltrane band uh, with McCoy Tyner and Elvin Jones, but Eric Dolphy with him. I highly recommend that to anyone who wants a spiritual experience via the genre. Of jazz, it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. And Coltrane died so young um, that he he was not able to gift his genius to people much younger than us, and that's a shame because. But his music is there. Not as many albums as you'd think, but you know, uh, terrific stuff.
Okay. Okay, I wanted to quote from a very uh, astute analyst of societal hypocrisy, uh, a, a man who now lives in Brooklyn, called Duncan Trussell. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, not, I'm, not being, I'm not being ironic here at all. Uh, a couple of years ago, we did a podcast with Duncan, and um, you said, Duncan, something that stuck with me, which is that American media is based on a complex sort of symphony of cadences. That was the word you used, Duncan. And I, even though I'd had the same thought for many years, as many of us had, you'd, I'd never heard that word cadence before. And the newscasters and the analysts and all these people no matter what side they're on, it seems to me at this point, except for very few exceptions like Keith Overman and a couple of other people. Um, it's the cadence that gets the people. It's the actual acceptance of a sort of conventional wisdom, which is in fact murderous. Yes. And I couldn't agree more with you, Duncan. And when you said that, uh, and I, I, I've borrowed it many times with people who've argued about this analyst or that analyst or this yeah. newscaster. And I said, that, well, I was in television for all my life and I've sat in newsrooms and I've seen the difference in the way people talk when they're having a cup of coffee with you. And as soon as they get on the air, they're taught uh, and they actually are taught by uh, consultants to talk in a certain way. And particularly in England, it's about royalty. In this country, it's about presidents. Yeah. Um, and this, as you just put it, I agree with you, Duncan. And I, I remember this that you said because it affected me. Because I began to see that um, the brainwashing was not obvious. It wasn't Orwellian. It was more like Brave New World. It was more like Huxley. A wonderful yes. life cosmeticized so that most of us really would rather think about what kind of couch we're going to get than the fact that Syrians are being murdered by both American jets and yeah. Russian jets. That Americans are funding ISIS. Like that we're, we're paying for ISIS. That ISIS is riding around in our tanks. That ISIS is using our weapons. That we have created the problem to try to overthrow Assad because that was the plan. And this is where you start getting into the realm where you start saying things you're not supposed to say. And that's what any kind of brainwashed country is like. There's not, you're not supposed to call a president a murderer, even though he is. You're not supposed to point out that the United States is funding chaos all over the planet because it profits a very small amount of people. You're not supposed to say these things. And it's true. So, so it's like, yeah, sure, Trump, what a monster. But no more a monster than any of these other lunatics, just a different flavor of monster and... One thing that someone said to me the other night, which I thought was quite smart, is that if nothing else, Donald Trump has de-sanctified the office of president <laughs> so that now this ridiculous worship for some super alpha male primate thing that's supposed to be riding this dragon we call the United States no longer seems like they're so it's such a sanctified office and that's one of the gifts and also you got to look at the fact that the people he was up against hillary clinton you won't like this Raghun. a lot of people listening might not like this but the the truth of the matter is there is a long-term plan happening in this country and the long-term plan is to destabilize the middle east 
This has been going on since September 11th. It's been going on before September 11th. We're, we, we, we're at war with Russia, Cold War style. Why? Why? Answer that. Why? Why do we hate Russia? What's so bad about them? Now, I'm not saying Putin is a monster or is a good, is it, isn't a monster, but is he any more of a monster than any of the other presidents? Okay, okay, I want to bring this back in, okay. Okay, hang on. Well, I'm just trying to find some equanimity, or I'm just saying, let's no, look... No, no, I mean, there's a reality to... Of course, everything you're saying is real on a certain plane of consciousness, or not a plane of consciousness, a certain realm of what uh, this so-called reality is. Yes. It's absolute, so it's absolutely true. There's another plane where yeah. there's a relative there's relative stuff going on to individuals okay who either they may believe what you're saying they may not they may be uh, brainwashed they may not be they may be aware they may not be it but the reality is their day-to-day lives are affected in uh, by actions that that are taken uh, obviously the one you mentioned in this particular case this is just one thing is is uh, a, a whole lot of people, if this uh, health care bill gets passed, lose Medicaid. That is a direct relative action yes. with direct relative results. I'm much more interested in that than, than the, uh, the super philosophical uh, idea you presented, which is really the superstructure of, of what this world is about, which is about power which is about self-interest, et cetera, et cetera, right? I'm oh, more, yeah. So I'm, uh, and which is why I personally, and, and one of the other things I, I was going to bring up in this podcast and introduce is, is things that I like, you know, when we said we love Joseph Goldstein, it goes back to that thing. Somebody who's giving some uh, information that allows one not to get lost in, uh, in the kind of fear uh, atmosphere that that uh, that uh, you just presented, which not saying it's not real on a plane, it is real, but it but there. Okay, the next thing is, what do we do about uh, what that just your whole rap just did to whole insides of my body? What do I do about that now? Okay, yes, that's more of what I what I'm interested in, and what this whole podcast was started for. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I, I was going to say, it's really cool that you've transitioned MindPod into a... Mind rolling. Mind rolling into a political <laughs> a political podcast. This is great. <laughs> I didn't realize we finally jumped into the... I feel like I'm on... Um, I feel like I'm on like Rush Limbaugh or something. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the other thing I was going to say was... Uh, we had a bit of a reversal uh, not long ago where, uh, well, it was at, after, of course, after the election where I was saying, you know, I'm from Canada. This is really awful yeah. bullshit. You guys are crazy and I'm going back home and blah, 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 and went on a rant. And, and you said, well, don't we have to just think of the fact that we are all interconnected and yeah. uh, that how could one part of our body leave? Where is there to, you know, you went on. 
and and gave me uh, everything I had given you two years previously when you went on some kind of crazy rant. Yeah, but so, but again, we're, that's the we have to like, you know, really this is where this is where the rubber hits the road. You've been you know activated by Donald Trump and the fear of tons of people losing health care. What didn't activate you was when Obama was exploding children. Like, no. and that's, that's really where you like, when you dive into the hypocrisy. Yeah. Okay. I get you. I got it. I got it. But at the same, there's no, I say that is absolutely true. What about the health insurance plans for all the people that we blow up or the people being blown up by the people we fund to blow them up? Like that, the, the, the country cannot function as a country if people come to terms with the reality of where we've gotten to geopolitically. And I, my, the only reason I'm telling, saying all this stuff is not to terrify people. I'm not trying to scare people, but it's important to like, understand here's the truth. Okay. You're mad at Trump. Okay. Be mad at Trump, but know that each president prior to Trump was murdering people. And that our job here on planet Earth, I think, and this is what you've taught me, Raghu, that I believe, is to not turn away from the truth, not to be frightened by the truth, to love everyone and tell the truth so that we know, okay, here's what we're up against, right? And that's where we get to what the subject matter that you guys so beautifully talk about is and where it becomes that incredibly imperative to say the truth, even as unappetizing as it is, mm. late stage capitalism, late stage capitalism, oligarchy. You get rid of Trump, Raghu, and you put in you put in Pence. You get rid of Pence. Let's just say, let's say that somehow we get rid of all of them, <laughs> and Hillary Clinton gets to be president, and then we make Hillary Clinton president. You're gonna look at war with Russia. You're going to look at war with Syria. You're going to look at a plan that that. So don't don't. All I'm saying is, if you people are like, oh God, if only Hillary had gotten into office, then their healthcare would be happening. If Hillary got into office, there would be like, we would be teetering potentially even more on the edge of World War Three, because Russia's a nuclear power, China's a nuclear power, and and Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. They've been shaking their fists over there. Oh, evil Putin. Evil. Oh, look what they did to Ukraine. What are you talking about? Why are we in Afghanistan? Why are we bombing Syria? <laughs> right? Why? You're mad at Ukraine? Okay. Anyway, okay. I got it. Yeah, but it's like, let's just let's just come to terms with the reality of the situation, which is that it's like, which way do you want? You're the person holding you hostage to act. Okay, do people don't give a shit. They want to be happy. They are not. They see this stuff. They get. They're in. You know. They're completely bombarded by media. If this is where you're going to live, you're living in a very, uh, you know, polarized kind of place. If you, I mean, you're these things. I'm not saying they are not true. Ultimately. It's like an ultimate political truth of some sort. But at the same time, okay, so what? There is always in this world stuff like this. There is yeah. always, you know, in India, 
in the 12th century and the moguls came and completely wiped out and forced them all into you know to be, the hindus to be muslims and the reverse yeah. of that before that etc this has always gone on okay yes. this has always gone on which is why there are these esoteric um teachings from all the great traditions to address one's own internal process to be able to both live a, a, a more balanced life uh, and in its most simplest level, but at the same time to be able to change your insides so you can affect people so that they are not completely, absolutely self-interested on every level. And they're the opposite of what... You know, these people believe in Ayn Rand. I mean, that's their great heroes, Ayn Rand. Uh, all you know, people on Wall Street, you know, people. But look, look what you're doing there again, Raghu. It's like I don't mean to be calling you out here, but it's important to realize your fixation on Trump opens a door. I'm not fixated on Trump. I'm Canadian. Or, start with on, on, <laughs> on politics. This look, these people on Wall Street who love Ayn Rand, uh, and the people like who run these privatized prisons and Jeff Sessions and all, all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have got to embrace them. That's the craziness. And to embrace them, we need to understand them completely, you know, so that it's like, okay, I get it. You like power. You're into power. You know, you're like once I can, can I tell you something Jack Cornfield told me that was super cool. Hope I'm, I'm allowed to say this. Is this live? No. So Jack Cornfield told me the coolest thing, man. Um, we are standing on, you know, he's, that guy's, that guy. Thank God for that guy. <laughs> We're standing on the beach. We're looking out at the ocean. He likes to go snorkeling. And sometimes at the retreats, you'll catch him heading out into the water. I'm standing there. He's about to go snorkeling. And he's talking about Carlos Castaneda. He met Carlos Castaneda. And I was like, uh, you know, man, I don't like Carlos Castaneda because I stopped reading Don Juan when he sewed that lizard's eyes shut. Do you remember that part in Carlos yes. Castaneda? I and I was like, ugh, any, anybody who's going to sew an animal's eyes shut, fuck you. I'm not interested in you anymore. I don't want to hear your philosophy. I don't want to hear what you have to I say. I remember that. Yes, it's really creepy, you know, pure animal abuse. And Jack Cornfield got, you know, it's Jack Cornfield. He gets this beaming smile on his face and he's like, Duncan, these are sorcerers. They only want, they care about power. They care about power. They think compassion is a lower state. And like, it was such a beautiful understanding of this particular creature the Anne Rand creature in such a compassionate way to look at it, which is like, yeah, that's, they're into power. They're not thinking about the pain of a lizard. They're into power and the, just his understanding of it in some way or another gives you the space to, to, to love them. Even though what they're doing in your mind is like rotten. Once you start realizing it, you know, Okay, there. You know this this Donald Trump guy and all the people who are in Ann Rana. These are sorcerers, and 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 they're they're really interested in power. And and think of the last time you were interested in power, how bad that feels. 
how bad it feels to want someone to respect you, how bad it feels to want to have power over someone, how bad it feels to have power over someone. It feels awful. The cognitive, the cognitive drain of being into power is so, so sick. It's a sickness. Yeah, we all and, have it. We all have it. And that's why uh, the next conversation uh or the, the, what leads to the next part of the conversation is what I tried to allude uh, to before. This has always gone on. Man yeah. has always wanted power, and there was uh, at the root of it is fear and separation. So that has always gone on, and these traditions uh, give us the tools, one uh, and in many different ways, to be able to uh, change ourselves, which is the only thing we can do. Which is yeah. why, although everything you're saying is absolutely correct, uh, to uh, understand in a bigger perspective, we should have Danny Goldberg on, on here, too. He loves to talk about the historical perspective of these kinds of things. Uh, w uh, gives you a much, much more leverage on uh, getting into an immediate angry kind of space around. Tr I, I love Trump. Why do you keep saying I hate Trump? Anyhow. Okay. You uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> Hate Trump? <laughs> no, I don't hate Trump. I'm Canadian. I keep telling you that. How could I hate him? I'm moving I listen, back. Brother. Part of you does. Part of you does. And there's a burning thing in me when I, when I like, when I look at some of the like, the 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 way he tweets, the way this kid holding that elephant trunk. Sometimes at night I'll lay in bed thinking about his like gross kid holding up that elephant trunk that he cut off, and I'll grit my teeth and be like, uh, and yeah. then I meet the Trump supporters. And then I realized, oh, these people are okay, man. They're not evil. They're, they're not bad. They're smart. They want the world to be okay, too. And that's where it gets no longer black and white. And mm -hmm. that's where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, just what you're saying, Raghu. I'm, you're exactly right. The big picture that I'm putting out there, fine, whatever. It's a comic book. Who cares? It's when you're sitting at the coffee place With, across yeah. somebody. Yeah. And you're not there because your head's up in the clouds and they're telling you some deep thing they're experiencing and your mind's whirling around the image of Donald Trump holding up an elephant's trunk he cut off or his kid holding up the elephant trunk. And you've completely lost the opportunity to be a conduit for love in the universe because you've been distracted by the machinations of sorcerers. <laughs> David, don't you have a story about uh, that reflects um, cutting across... Uh, well, I, I, with I think I have ten, but you know the 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 truth is that, one great I, one with the well, I mean, I I on some thread on Facebook, um, somebody, some Trump guy said, you know, healthcare. He made some comment about, you know, Obamacare and everything else, and and um, but his main thing was about what he called socialized medicine, and. Um, I got on this thread, which I do about once every five years now. I'm not interested in being on anybody's thread, <laughs> but I did this. I said my sister um, was terribly ill um, when she was 11, and um, I won't go into too much of it because she may hear this. But uh, you know, uh, and she, we were in England, and and she was uh, surgery was done uh, by uh, the most eminent surgeon imaginable in England. Wow. And um, it was successful, and she was in hospital for 14 months. Wow. And it, and it was free. 
Now, you can talk all you want about whatever you want to talk about in these relative matters, but I do know this, that if you're looking out in a compassionate way, the welfare of as many people as possible, beyond yes. your own bloody family, uh, free healthcare is the very first thing that a government should be thinking about, not yeah. the last. Brit Hume, uh, who's a conservative commentator who was an analyst of the White House when he was playing tennis with George H.W. Bush, famous for that, played with him twice a week at the White House, but was somehow considered to be an analyst. He was on CNN this morning, and he said, um, and if this is a digression, I'm sorry, he said, um, well, you know, I get car insurance, um, and I can choose my insurance company. Mm. So what's the difference? You got health, let me choose my health insurance company. Oh. And some pundit at the other side of the table said, oh, okay, so you're comparing my uncle who's got cancer with your car. Is that, is that what you're doing, Mr. Hume? And he did not answer. Now, oh. my reaction, my visceral reaction to home was to, um, you know, figuratively vomit on the floor uh, because of this such ignorance and, and lack of compassion. So where politics crosses with deliberate and calculated lack of compassion, I get, you know, exercised about it. I don't like it. It's horrible. However, when I mentioned this on this thread to this Trump guy uh, and wrote in detail about my sister's experience in England where there is free healthcare and has been since 1945, he wrote, I wrote in a very polite way, if articulate, but polite, he wrote back to me and said, you know, you're the first person of your side who has been polite to me and not there, insulted me for voting for Donald Trump. And for that, uh, I'm going to say a couple of things. One is I hope your sister is better. I'm very happy she was cured. I do not agree with you. I think there are better ways to do it than socialized medicine. But I really appreciate the fact that you were civil with me. And I, that's the story, right, Raghu, that yep, I told that's on, it. on And at the time, I remember a shudder went through my body of maybe you should try and do this more often, Dave, because you're a very good ranter. That's and I can rant for days and nights without notes. But what the hell good is that? You know, I agree with you, Duncan that you can sit opposite someone in a coffee house and hear them say something and want to just hit them or something. And that never got anybody anywhere. Yeah. And never, never will. And we know that. And, you know, Ramdas is particularly articulate about this. Yes. Because he will make that connection between compassion and action, the right action, not the action fueled by rage. That's right. Because not, you know, not, not that rage is, is it rage is there. We have rage, you know, but it, there has to be some counterpoint to that. I recommend, actually, the book called Wake Up, The Life of Buddha by Jack Kerouac. I do this a lot. Cool. Everybody should read this damn book. It's The Life of Buddha. It's the best life of Buddha that I know of, and I've read at least 10 of them. It's amazing. Jack Kerouac, who eventually dropped his Buddhist bent and became a Christian, at the time he wrote the book Wake Up, uh, was an ardent Buddhist and a scholar, which people can't understand. They think, oh, this beatnik, you know, really like jazz. Well, Jack was a Buddhist scholar, and I've read the book two or three times. And in the book, he talks about particularly about one sutra 
of Buddha talking to Ananda, his biggest disciple, who he called basically an ignorant idiot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, had, he did not mince words with Ananda. He said, you're completely off the case, man. You know, it, originally Ananda came to him because he had a moment with a prostitute yeah. and went, went to the Holy One and said, precious Buddha, I just missed, I just really just missed a bullet, you know, because I wanted her. So then the Buddha goes on for like a year about, you know, your ears are liars, your eyes are liars, your nose yeah. is a liar, your fingers yeah. are liars. They're all liars because they make you think that this is it. Yes. It's not fucking it. Yes. End of story for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Raghu said it, and Duncan, you've said it so many times in much more articulate ways, that we live in a, in a, a veil of tears. We can have fun. We can enjoy life, we can have sex, we can listen to great music, we can eat great toffee pudding, which is my favorite. <laughs> but, you know, and I eat it, despite the fact I shouldn't. But at the end of the day, we all die, die, die. Okay, this is a good time to insert now. What? My favorite and your favorite, David. I don't know, Duncan, if you've, I think you've heard of him because I've mentioned him so much. Uh, but uh, it's Dilgo Kensi Rinpoche, one of the great lamas of the last century uh, who died in the 80s. So D David's holding up a book. I've got a book. I mean, you know, we've got That's the heart him. of compassion. There you go. This uh, is called 100 that. Verses of Advice. But uh, Next to my desk. Time. Yeah. This guy is like, take no prisoners. You cannot live... You cannot fool yourself when you read when you read him. You stop fooling yourself, right, Duncan? You remember when we did a thing with Sharon and you said, "What do you do when you? What is your practice? Like, what do you do when you you know you get up in the morning?" She said, "I sit down, and I get real." And I that has uh, we've reminded her about it, uh, and she she loves it now. She's probably going to do a she has a new book called Real Love. She'll probably be doing a book, uh, be doing a book called Get Real. Uh, oh. We should all do a book. Uh, so this is the most get real teacher I have ever encountered. I mean, uh, and I can't more highly recommend it. I'm going to read yeah. one little thing. Great. Think about it. Over countless lifetimes, have you not been deluded, mm. fallen under the power of your negative emotions, and as a result, had to undergo time and time again the suffering of birth, sickness, old age, and death. Yet still you cling to illusion as if it were a happy place. Yeah. A little bit of what you were ranting about before, about uh, the presidency and uh, the oligarchs as yeah. if it was a happy place. You take yeah. things that are impermanent to be permanent. You work frantically to amass possessions you will never be able to keep without yeah. ever being satisfied. Surely, now it is high time to start observing your mind. And he goes on to say, be aware of everything that arises in your mind immediately as though watching your face in a mirror. Identify your emotions as the enemies that have spoiled your past lives. Whoa. And will spoil your future lives, too. If you fail 
to cut them at the root as soon as they appear. There is no emotion you cannot be rid of because emotions are simply thoughts and thoughts are just like the wind moving through the empty sky. There is nothing to them. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got some place of a plane of consciousness that... Uh, this is the only thing we can do is deal with this inside of ourselves. We cannot do anything else. We can do everything that we are all doing in every walk of our lives the, in the best and most compassionate way. But until we absolutely excavate these uh, delusions inside ourselves and stop absolutely holding on for dear life to stuff that God, we should let go of. Uh, yeah. Nothing's going to happen, and um, we can't be of any use to anybody uh, in any social, political, or cultural context, is my belief. Yeah. And this is why we need you guys, because look at what you just did. Like, it's so cool. I, you do this, you work this magic on me every time. You're just like someone who's like, okay, okay. And then you like turn the radio dial, and it's like, right. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot that. You know, that's the thing we all forget, what you just said. And it and and you you're it's like our radios drift. And or my radio drifts. Yours doesn't. You guys probably doesn't mine drifts. Nah, and we're so, all drifters, big time. Drift. That's the thing. There is no we're all that, drifting. It lands right back on Fox and Friends. Before you know it, your like brain is just like em, embroiled in like an elephant tail held up by some billionaire's brat instead mm. of bathing in the beautiful ideas and the incredible reality that you just potential. Uh, it's the yeah. potential. It's, it's your, I was going to ask you about it, but you have an idea about doing a book around the reality of, of, of beings that have become free to some degree yeah. That show the potential of where we can go, right? Uh, David Duncan has this. You should work with David on that. Actually, you guys should well, talk I'm, about that. I'm working on it, man. I mean, that, the con. The, it's it's a very simple question: Are there enlightened people living on the planet today? And then it's an exploration of that question with different from different POVs. And and what's really cool, everyone. I don't care who you are, how you were raised. If you, everyone has an opinion on this and it's a, and usually the opinion is quite strong. Mm. You'd be surprised that it does not have to be a Buddhist. It can be a Christian. It can be mm. a mu Muslim, whoever, whatever, atheist. You go to them and say, Hey, do you think there's, it's possible to become enlightened? And the response you get is always fascinating. Some of the people get mad mm. that you would ask the question. They're like, no, it's not possible. That's a dangerous idea. Enlightened people are just hucksters who are tricking idiots. Or you get the, the other side of it, which is like, yeah, it's possible. Maybe it, maybe, or is it you, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> are we, are you like, are, is it me? Who is it? The really mm -hmm. smart ones, when you get around them, that's what they're like. They're like, they play around with the idea. And it's such a psychedelic idea. But yes. It is the my my I think 
right now for us, because we know human beings are responsible for all of the technological, philosophical innovations that have happened on, on the planet and, and looks like we're also responsible for what was being called the, what is it, the sixth great extinction because we sort of mm -hmm. disrupted yeah. the, the mm -hmm. planet from our industrialization. Yeah. So because we know that the human individual is the place through which the great idea comes, I think one of the most important questions today is where are the enlightened people? Who are they and what are they doing? Yeah, so that's what I'm investigating right now. Mm, and it's been a blast which is, talking to people about it. It's exciting. Well, mm, mm. getting to the uh, near near the end of our little allotted time by virtue of our sponsors. They only give us so much time for these you podcasts. Can a, can't you go over an hour because it's uh, <laughs> your 200th episode? Why don't we do 200 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> like you can't we can do anything we want. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this. But okay, go ahead. I just want to hear your what's what's your opinion here, man. Uh, All right, David, can you respond to this particular uh, thought of Duncan's, uh, which he's posing a question about? I think it's a great a great question because it's an, a, a question that's avoided all the time, you know. And, and there are all kinds of weird opinions about it. Uh, I'm sort of a little sort of I don't know primitive about this because I find enlightened states and moods from people um, rather than just saying they're enlightened. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I have to tell the story of Jose, the cable guy. <laughs> that, 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 that very statement seems to have offended the canine. <laughs> no, I, I had a cable problem a few years ago and um, uh, they sent some two people immediately. One was Jose, who was Puerto Rican. And his, he was training someone called Freddie, who was an African-American, who looked more like a rapper when they walked into my apartment. And, um, you know, I, I, they asked me what was wrong. And I said, well, it's all wrong. It's not working. You know? And while I was talking to him, Jose was looking at my bookcase behind me here. And he said to me, oh, you like Yogananda? I said, I love him. Oh. You're like, um, you're like Yuk Sri Yukteswar? I said, yes, I love him. I said, wait a minute. Are you, you're just reading names off my bookshelf. He said, no, no, I love these people. <laughs> yeah. And then he turned to Freddie. He said, hey, man, take a look at this book here. Take a look at this book, this library here, man. And so Freddie came over and he looked at some of my books, some of which were about Brian Jones some of which were about British rock, others were novels. But then he hitched on one sort of shelf and Jose pointed out books and quickly paraphrased the particular quality of Yogananda and others. Wow. Three hours later, after I'd made them tea and whatever food I could concoct, they left. They kept calling into Optimum Cablevision and saying, this is a big problem. We have to stay here longer, you know. And they just sat there and talked. And I learned more from Jose than I've learned from most people. And I asked him where he found this and how he found it. And he didn't even remember. He couldn't even remember. It didn't matter to him, you know. He was just, 
And it was fantastic. I followed them downstairs. I sat in the Optimum van with them. I didn't want them to leave. I was yeah. so mind fucking blown by this. Yeah. Shows my snobbism, my own snobbism, my own yeah. horrible elitism. That I think the only people who go to retreats and read books about Buddhism are, are evil. It's just not true. Ew. The fact is that people come to this feeling of freedom and interconnectedness, sometimes on their own, and it's the most surprising thing, and it's so incredible. It's so wonderful. It's so beauteous. And I, that's where I get my a lot of my feeling about what you're doing, Duncan. Uh, you're the best person to ask this question because there's going to be no bullshit involved. And you're going to listen to anything that anybody says and take it as seriously as anybody else. However, I've just it's just in the flow of my experience. And without turning too Pollyannish, every so often, pretty often, actually, if you get into a real conversation with anyone, you'll find something there. You'll yeah. find something there. I had a conversation with someone in North Carolina yesterday about guns. A long conversation with someone who lives in Raleigh, Durham, an old friend of mine. And he asked me, did you ever fire guns? I said, yes, I did. He said, did you enjoy it? I said, yes, I did. <laughs> How much did you enjoy it? I said, enormously. They had to drag me away from this, <laughs> this automatic, these automatic weapons. I just, I just absolutely loved it. It's an amazing feeling. And he said to me, he said, man, you are, you are something. Are you, are you against the way guns? I said, yeah, I, I'm for gun control and stopping this madness. But I understand. I get it. Firing a gun is really something. You have this little thing in your hand, you press the trigger, and it, a rocket goes off somewhere. Hopefully it doesn't kill any birds or anything. Uh, you know, get back to the, old, the beginning of this. I think truth tellers are very important to enlightenment. That's why, uh, you know, advanced comedy geniuses, um, you know, uh, have Bill Hicks and yeah. Richard Pryor and, 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 and many people, Chappelle and uh, Marr and Robin Williams and yourself, Duncan and Peter Holmes. There's many, many com comic people, comedy graspers and articulators, who if you really listen, uh, are telling you something very, very special. And so it comes in all ways and all times. And that's the only way I can keep my act, my shit together is by 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 believing that, uh, that if there are 7.6 billion people on the planet, from what I've learned, approximately 7.5 billion people have lived on the planet mm -hmm. in all time, which suggests something about reincarnation, but I won't go any further. But out of those 7.6 billion people, how many truly have moments of incredible liberty? mental and emotional liberty a right. lot a lot and that's why it's so good to hear i'm i i have to just quickly say that all that you said at the beginning of your part when you're on this duncan about the presence that's incredibly important stuff because you're all you're doing is you're taking that sword and cutting through conventional wisdom which is lying to itself oh the the martyr president yeah oh, fuck that that's just not true Someone who has the ambition to become president knows all along that he's going to have to kill people eventually. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it's not like he suddenly gets into office like, wait, what? Oh, I couldn't do that. It's like, right. yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, you could because, I mean, I've been in corporations at fairly high levels and had moments when I had to sort of make a decision that wasn't totally humanitarian. For the sake of this company that was paying me large amounts of money, you know, and I tried to do the best I could. It's all in all of us all the is. time. Yes. Yeah. All of it. So, yes. yeah. and to get back to enlightenment, David, that, uh, that was so 
beautiful. Beautiful. And the truth of how enlightenment gets manifested through the smallest little actions and the smallest little conversations and the smallest, most intimate touch uh, through, through a mind that is free. That, uh, that's just really crystallinely beautiful. At the same time, uh, I will say to you, Duncan, about this idea, because um, I have been very fortunate in this life to, to, um, yeah. to actually be in that presence. And uh, the kind of, uh, I mean, you know, people that do get that, they obviously need that because there are people who get that without the, obviously we've talked about this a billion times, the physical reality. They get what, yeah. they get as much with, it doesn't matter. But the people, but I will say there's a way in which, um, it convinces your guts, your com it convinces, it gives you a commitment inside your guts that you can never, get, it never gets lost, ever. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. and that commitment in the guts is what you are, f like when you first came to uh, meet Ramdas and Maui and all that, you know, when we, we first went, we had dinner there, we had a retreat and all yeah. that stuff. And and since then, of course, Duncan has been with us many years um, coming to this retreat. Uh, that is what's being transmitted. There's a certain commit gut commitment um, to the potential that uh, these people have uh, experienced by direct encounter. I yes. think that, that that's as true as anything else. And uh, I, uh, I, I got to just... Can I read one more thing um, from yeah, Dilgo Kensi? Mm. Yes. Because he's talking about what, what you're talking about. Is there? Outwardly, he says, most of the great siddhas of India, and a siddha is uh, the highest attainment of a human enlightenment in a being where they are no longer subject-object going on. They don't teach, they just are a manifestation of what the reality is, of, mm. of, of people call it God, and Buddha mind, whatever, all the names. Outwardly, most of the great enlightened siddhas of India looked like unimpressive beggars. Their lives were not filled with conspicuous deeds of grandiose charity, but inwardly they had realized emptiness and by this, I, I'll just, you know, make the most uh, simplistic definition of emptiness. Empty of yourself, of thinking about yourself, of cherishing everything about yourself. Empty of that. You are no longer thinking about yourself. That, that kind, that, that, that's the realization of emptiness of the most simple level. And their minds were constantly overflowing with love, and compassion for all beings. In Tibet, the greatest example is Milarepa, the, the original Tibetan Siddha. He right. never, he was from India. He never made grand offerings or performed a lot of meritorious deeds for everyone to see. 
yet he is considered Milarepa foremost among all the enlightened yogis of India and Tibet and has been able to turn the minds of countless beings all over towards the Dharma, the truth. Because he, and this is it, he cast off all self-clinging and realized emptiness. So that's, to me, the best, if we're talking about, if you want to put a definition into this this project that you want to put together around enlightenment, that's where to start. Right. Right there. It's no highfalutin thing about enlightenment and, you know, there's a big guru sitting there handing out you know, alms to people and, uh, you know, building hospitals and God knows what, you know, has nothing to do with that. It has to do with you. You, The idea is you meet somebody who is no longer, has no relationship to that ego that we all have that drives our lives, that, that, th- that complete identification with the I. That's gone. That's the starting point. And for us, on a day-to-day basis, uh, it's, 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 it's really down to, and that's why I love the whole, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, who talks in the most simplistic terms uh, around just being ethical, just being kind. Kindness, he says, is my only religion. So being kind and caring about people, compassionate and loving. And it's, what, it's where Ramdas has ended up in his life at 86 years old, 20 years in a wheelchair. He's that there, he's realized. And, and if you sit with him and you, um, you both have and know him fairly well at this point, he act, there is that realization of actual just sitting in compassion and love. That's, and there's nothing else that he's interested in whatsoever. Even when like, I'll, Oh, let's do a retreat around transforming, disturbing emotions. He'll say to me, what about love? <laughs> so, that's so, you know, cool. that's me trying to make shit complex in order yeah. to, you know, to sell it. You know, that's my old power trip, right? Uh, Making shit more popular, whatever, you know, whatever uh, uh, Mishugas I got going. So that's why uh, everybody out there, Dilgo Kensi Rinpoche, Heart of Compassion, and any book that you can pick up around him, will really, uh, yes, some of it has esoteric kind of stuff in it and trying to figure out what the hell they're talking around when they speak of emptiness, but it's not nihilistic whatsoever. It's the opposite of it. Uh, Still, there are things that uh, really help to get real. And that's what mind-rolling has, uh, as much as we have been able to, the three of us have done a lot of, you know, you guys have been a tremendous support for what we've been doing with mind-rolling. And certainly getting real and helping people get real in their lives and to have more awareness and, and live more in, in truth and caring about people. So thank you. Thank you. We thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, boy. Long, strange trip, huh? Yeah. As the dead. We were talking about the dead before. It's a long, strange oh, trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys. This has uh, been a real treat. Uh, and and we've gone from um, yes. 
you know, we've we've really in a funny way i think really uh it's like a complete uh full circle from the first time that we did a podcast together yes. you you went berserk then and and you <laughs> did <it. laughs> and then not to say there wasn't there plenty of truth in that case it was all about the conspiracy of the government yes. uh, at all levels and um and then we managed to come back into some kind of a place where we can find uh, a truth for ourselves that allows us to be able to do something both for ourselves and for people so that uh, maybe we can make the world a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit better. Okay. Yeah. So mm. thank you for that. Thank you for that. This is everything to me. I mean, it's it's without it, I would only be the... I'd be, who knows? I might be up in a cabin making mail bombs or something. You never oh, know, Jesus man. Without Christ. this beautiful way of rising above the. No, you'd be in a cabin sitting with your Buddhist statue in Vermont. I picture you in northern Vermont, right? In the middle of the winter when it's like, you know, there's 60 feet of snow and you're snowbound and you're sitting in your cabin with your Buddha all by yourself. You can still do the podcasts. Uh, but you have okay. completely retreated from society, and you've grown this huge beard, which is kind of like the Unabomber. But but still, you've <laughs> transformed yourself. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you though, man, this is what you guys are doing. You can't underestimate it. You are like you're the opposite of a male bomber. You take <laughs> the, you take these things, these ideas, you give them to the world, and you really, I, I think Raghu, I, I think both of you have, have lived a life. Immersed in this, and, and maybe a little bit more focused on it than a lot of us, and so it's hard for you to um, understand exactly what you're doing. Maybe I don't think you realize that for some of us, it's like being in a a, a building that's collapsed, and you've been sort of scratching at the wall, and then suddenly a beam of light opens up, and someone starts pulling you out of the rubble. Like, look, you don't have to be in this collapsed building. Look. There's this, and then that, I think, it, it truly is, uh, an inc we're very lucky to have you guys, very lucky to have you guys. It's a very wonderful thing Thank that you. you're doing, and I'm, I'm so honored to get to hang out with you in this dimension. And, uh, and don't think for a moment, although Duncan poo-poos it and, and, uh, and actually says, yeah, you're making fun of me now when I call him the, uh, our guru. Um, but the, the reality is that term does reflect on um, uh, darkness into light. And I was in the darkness around what the reality was with uh, podcasts and, and their possibility of, of sharing. Is is enormous and has been enormous, and the Be Here Now Network is is living proof of it with all these incredible teachers. Uh, so everybody, by the way, certainly check out Be Here Now Network and dot uh, com and all of the wonderful podcasters, teachers, thought leaders that we have up there now. And um, and thank you for the for uh, representing mind rolling these. Uh, unbelievable 200 episodes uh and uh I, I it's staggering to me that uh this this is um boy i never thought we'd 
get here, you know? And, and Duncan said, no, this is nothing. You just get on. You used to be on the radio. No problem, you know? And yeah. look where this, this all ended up. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the support. Uh, and, um, you know, we'll see you next time. On yep. See you Monday. next time. <laughs> next time.